0: Welcome to the ITK show, I am the ITK, my fellow Nigerians, that's supposed to be a drop, but it can't be a drop because I haven't completely figured out this, uh, this mixing software, but welcome once again to the ITK show, um, this is going to be a packed episode filled with just Lots of I'm actually quite upset because I haven't had power for like two weeks. So even recording this has been long But we triumph still. So there's a lot to get into this week a lot happened as always in Nigeria um, I think we're going to start with the the Koza allegations So as I'm sure most of you already know um, There were rape allegations that came out on Friday um, against Pastor Fatou Ibo Biodun of Koza, that's the Commonwealth of Zion Assembly. Um, and these rape allegations came from Busola Dakulo. Um And in a, I think, one hour, 30 minute interview with um, Y Naija, she was interviewed by Chude of Y Naija. She just broke down the relationship we, she had with the pastor and essentially revealed that she had been raped by the pastor. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time here because I feel like everybody has kind of already said a lot about this, both good and bad. Um, But first and foremost to Bussala Dakulu, if these allegations are true, nothing but... um, strength and courage for her because it must have taken a lot out of her to be able to come out in public and admit that these things have happened it's not an easy thing to do it's not an easy thing to to experience trauma trauma on that level and then go on to actually narrate your experience to the public i saw a lot of people talking about like oh why is she just doing it now and this always comes every time there is a rape allegation why wait till now why wait till now and i don't think that's a fair thing to say it only causes uh rape victims to be more apprehensive in coming up out about their abuse and assault in the past it makes it more difficult for them to heal and you are definitely putting the blame on the woman a lot of the blame always seems to go to why was she there why did you I saw somebody like there was one instance where I think she was in her pajamas and the pastor came to visit her and people were like why is she opening the door for a pastor in the morning in her pajamas like what lengths do people have to go to, to rationalize something as horrible and heinous just because they want to preserve the sanctity of the image of a pastor and the sanctity of the image of Christianity? They are willing to like belittle and poke holes in the story of a person for just petty reasons, just because they cannot fathom that someone of that status or someone of that ilk is behaving in that way um i think it's unfortunate and as with so much in nigeria we just need to change our mentalities and it's a bit hypocritical to say because we all definitely have our biases but for something like rape which is a crime which is something that you do not wish i'm sure nobody wishes that on any um relative they have or any friend or anybody they know so i don't know why When these allegations always come up, we always take these kinds of negative, victim-shaming stances. It's really unbecoming. So, um, yeah, prayers and strength to Busola Dakolo and the whole Dakolo family. I hope they can heal through this pain. Um, I don't know if she's going to press charges. I don't think she will. I think this was more about release for her. But at the same time, I hope that this has given strength and courage to others who who might feel like, you know, who might have experienced similar things, not just from church or from this particular pastor, but obviously if you have, speak up. But just any case of rape or assault, um, you know, I hope this gives all Nigerian women the kind of strength to admit it even if you've, you can't admit it publicly if you have family members that you feel you should say it to you should just you know say it i think that's as much as i can say as a person in my situation but yeah i hope that the situation gets resolved internally and i hope whatever justice the victim wants should be met um in a court of law of course so moving on from there, we're gonna talk about um the immediate past go- governor of Ogun State and now Senator is a Nigerian senator, um Ibikule Amusun. So immediately after I recorded the podcast, or I think while I was recording last week's episode, which kind of became this week's episode, um the one that came out on Tuesday, we saw news break of uh Ibikule Amusun like returning one thousand AK-47's 4 million bullets and an armored tank. Essentially, this guy had a running infirmary, a a small battalion in operation in in government house in Ogun State. Now, I'm being sarcastic there, but it begs the question, what are you doing with 1,000 AK-47 rifles? Now, a couple days after the story broke, um, Senator Amosun released a statement Mm -hmm. via his Twitter handle, It's largely rubbish, but we'll go through some of it. Um, He says, The story by Premium Times and online news portal represented everything but the true and factual accounts regarding a routine exercise that took place at the Ogun State Governor's Office at in the morning of Tuesday the 28th, May, as part of handing over process. Um... He says not a single AK-47 rifle was handed over at the event. He would have loved to ignore it, but he didn't do that. It is important to stress that this was not the first time Senator Amos, who once in office as governor and former chief security of Ogun State, would be handing over security assets to the police. The particular exercise of 28th May was done openly in full glare of the public and the media to ensure accountability, guarantee transparency, and judicious use of the assets. I love when politicians or their writers get into their bag of just like using uh, uh, extensive vocabulary to try and cover up. Um, uh, he's just yawning, Yearning about his achievements. Economic prosperity. Uh, okay. He says the SIA administration sought help from the then President Goodluck Jonathan led federal government. First, we sought and got approval to set up OP Mesa for Ogun State. We followed this up with the special QRS unit. We committed substantial funds into procurement of hard and software and myriad security assets to decisively combat our security challenges. We got all necessary approvals from the Office of the National Security Advisor for the procurement of 13 units of armored personnel carriers, 1,000 units of AK-47 rifles, 2 million rounds of ammunition, 1,000 units of bulletproof vests, and 500 bulletproof helmets. Uh, they not only got the approval from good luck, Jonathan, So, he's kind of saying that he did have the arms. They satisfied approvals, regulations, and protocols. We observed and compiled. These are not matters for the public. And he's advising Premium Times to approach the states to verify this. So, he's saying that he didn't hand over AK-47s, but they did procure arms, some of which were listed in the Premium Times report. They had gotten full approval from then-President Jonathan, and it's uh, legit, basically. I'm not sure i buy it 100%. I think it's a bit weird that you procured arms for the military, Because he's saying that the approval got um, OP Mesa set up in Ogun State If you're saying that's why you had the arms Why were they in government house? It just seems a bit weird that we'd have these kinds of munitions in government arms And so much, why? Surely this didn't come in one shipment, it came in batches So why is everything stored? and this is since good luck jonathan so why is it only being handed over at the end of your administration um this opens up various security concerns like when during good luck jonathan's administration um um reliable or some repeatable and some you know needed to be verified reports of soldiers not getting munitions and arms them being held up at various places i think that it's also concerning that the commentary around this has been you know a bit quiet if this were a borno state government that did this is Zamfara state government that did this a benue state government that did this the conversation would be very different um I guess it's kind of cool that Ogun State doesn't have that kind of internal security. A- another thing, Ogun State doesn't have... When you think of states that are flashpoints for internal security, Ogun State doesn't strike me as that kind of state that would need all these types of munitions. But I hope that uh, est- more established media agencies and maybe our courts can press f- for more accountability. But as with all things in Nigeria. You know i'm not sure i can expect too much from that all right moving on from uh amosu i think i'm gonna call this episode like nigerian elders how nigerian elders have filled the generation because i seem to remember was it 2015 election cycle where people were like oh that the youth should wait let the elders lead because they have experience and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, first of all, you guys have been in power throughout the time when Nigeria was good, when Nigeria was on the decline, and now that Nigeria is in the shitter. So you've deteriorated the situation of the nation and made it worse for us and more difficult for us to be successful. And you're still telling us that you have some experience experience of what you failed successively that's what all these administrations and new governments have shown um, we're dealing with the Buhari administration that up until this point we still do not have a functioning ministry um, we do not have ministerial appoint- appointments You know, but if, if, if Super Eagles win today he's going to tweet like yo congratulations to the Super Eagles of Nigeria Of uh, successfully Like (sighs) Nigerian elders are just messing up Everybody over 40 Like What were you doing What were you doing What are you doing Because all of you guys are just talk From Ben Murray, Bruce to, To To Buhari To Tinubu All of them are just talk Even Osimbajo You know our 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 big bro, our uncle Osimbajo. I'm skeptical, man. Looking at the field, there's no, there are no leaders that you can actually kind of put your faith and trust in. All of them are just charlatans. Um, OPL two four five is that what what it's called? I'm sorry if I'm just jumping from topic to topic, but new revel- releva- rele- revelations came out concerning the whole is it malibu scandal fuck uh this is the difficulty of trying to yeah opl245 fraud um i am going to try and leave a link in the description so that you guys can go and check this breakdown out for yourself the reason being that i don't want to i don't want to i hate speaking on topics when i've not fully fully like grasped everything so i can't comment too much but basically um is it this malibu fraud about oil blocks basically there's a lot of revelations um people selling oil blocks to show, show up political support in various parts of Nigeria Um, money being shared to people from a previous administration and uh, revelations regarding a romantic relation that most people suspected existed but this was just kind of like confirmation So um, there was a long ass thread by a reporter I'm going to try and find his name Sorry if this is, this is, um, I should stop apologizing. Fuck you guys. But this is what happens when, no, not fuck you guys. So well, that's not something you should say on a political podcast. But this is what happens when you don't have a, when you don't have an, when you don't have an intern. Barnaby Pace. So he was following the court proceedings. I, I, where would the court proceedings even take out? I feel like it was taking place in the UK. Yeah, it it was probably taking place in the UK So There's so much to unpack And I think I'll unpack that For next week's episode Because I'm not prepared to touch it this week There's too much context to it Um, Following that In more international In international news That's still Nigerian President Buhari addressed his concerns Regarding the African free trade Uh free trade area so many of you would know that it seems like nigeria is the last african country to ascend to the free trade zone so they want to develop like a free movement of goods and whatever across africa and uh president Buhari is concerned i think his main concern even though he's never direct with his uh public statements his main concern is basically that The fear is, since we do not have manufacturing industries in Nigeria, we'll be boxed out of competition because we'll just be flooded with, like, we'll just be importing goods from other African countries. And it's interesting that uh, Buhari takes this kind of, I think it will spur competition. I think that Nigerians are naturally competitive, and a powerhouse like Nigeria would, that kind of, competition would spur us I think that they also don't want to compete within governments because I think that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, lapses in various governments would reflect and I also think Bahari likes to do this whole gra-gra of being like the the giants of Africa um, but at least he's addressed it it's long overdue but at least it's addressed it. Um, in other news, there was, um... President Osimbajo was received by Vice President... Vice President Osimbajo. Well, Wow, did I really just say President Osimbajo? Vice President Osimbajo was received in the White House by... Vice President United of the United States, Mike Pence. This is, like, the first time in, like, three... In, like, two years that I've seen Mike Pence. Um... I don't. Th- I think it's a symbolic thing, unless like Trump wins another term and then Mike Pence and then they impeach Trump and Mike Pence becomes uh, president and then it's like maybe he's thinking of African countries and since they know fuck all about Africa, he will just be like, oh, what's that? What's that Nigerian guy's name? Osim Osimbaje or some shit. Call that Nigerian motherfucker up and then he calls Osimbaje. And, you know, maybe America is nicer to Nigeria. I don't know. I'm just saying rubbish at this point. Um, It was a symbolic trip. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's a win for the Buhari government in the international exposure thing. Now, to another pressing issue, the Fulani settlement hysteria. So, this whole, I don't know if I've voiced it on this podcast. I'm really concerned about the whole coverage of the Fulani Herdsman thing and I'm really concerned of people's reactions to it. But I also realize that Twitter is an insular place and is also a toxic place where a lot of people that don't have enough information are super confident in sharing opinions. Um but basically I think the federal government wants to set up settlement ranches across Nigeria for cattle rearers to come and you know settle, to rear their cattle and all of that and a lot of the reaction i'm seeing is oh not on my land this isn't happening on my land and like naughty what i don't understand now with the fulani herdsmen fulani killings thing i think that there's a larger geopolitical and climatic factor i think that first of all the fulani Fulanese bearing arms is a symptom of insecurity in the sense that they are most likely carrying these arms to protect themselves. But because of the way the 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 framing of the conversation has been, um we're not able to actu- accurately diagnose the issue. We're just labelling it as some murky tribal issue. Because, for example, um, people are making it seem like Fulanese are, sort, are some sort of ethnic majority or ethnic uh, force. They're not. They're a small group of... They're, like in terms of numbers, they're literally a small group. In terms of these people, they don't have the kind of influence. They live in the bush and they walk around for days rearing cattle in the bush. They're not coming to Abuja to pass new legislation. They're not, like, now you could say, like, the owners of the cattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The owners of the cattle could care less about the hot sun. Like, they're doing different things with their lives. I Okay, I shouldn't say that. Like, I'm taking too much liberty for the owners. But for the cattle rarers themselves, we just spoke last week about, like, 250 people being killed by, like, a so-called Fulani militia in Mali and these were reprisal attacks and even when we look at the issue in in the middle belt reports have come out since like the early 2000s documenting the conflict between the fulanis and the the indigenous of benue or that middle i think it focused on benue there's a report and in that report it acknowledges that fulani people are actually a minority they are a minority in Benway State. They do not have a voice. So part of their concerns were, A, they were being rented land, and then they would co- when it came time for them to utilize this land, other people would come and use the land. And based on on the basis of, oh, you guys are not, you're not natives of this land. You have no claim to it. So the feel people would end up feeling so frustrated like we've paid for this land and we're here to use it and now we're not being able to use it. Now this does not justify killings. It doesn't. But let us be real for a moment. Be very real. These cattle that people are talking about, first of all, is the cattle that all of us who eat in the final analysis. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, it is their livelihood. I can imagine myself, like, whatever gives me money, I'm going to defend it to the death of me. Maybe I wouldn't go to as far as killing someone. But you cannot say how, how much a person should protect their livelihood when, for a lot of these people, like I said, they're not living in privilege. They're not living in wealth. They're living in the most difficult parts and terrains of the country. of Africa in general because they migrate and uh, the other the other climatic factor is the fact that vegetation is reducing so where these people have to graze they're moving further and further and as a country we need to be understanding of all Mm -hmm. these issues and also be accommodating and too frequently I don't know if it's because like a lot of the media in the west is situated in Lagos And people in Lagos don't like to actually go out and verify stories and fact that what is actually going on. There's just this kind of like, oh, we heard this news. We'll report it as it is fact. We will not verify it. And we'll just label things. Like imagine if we start labeling things like, hausa theft or yoruba bank robbery like and then we started it to cause a stereotyping and that's exactly what this fulani settlement thing causes now people will not agree to making these land concessions because fulani as an identity represents a threat and the politicians are going to run with it now and create a, a kind of anti-foreigner rhetoric amongst their followers. We're already seeing it happen. We're already seeing it happen. Southeast Governors say not our land. This land is for everybody. There are lots of, and another thing we fail to look at this thing again, we were the same people who were on Twitter asking for ranches. And, And to be very frank, when you have an industry and you want to Provide concessions so that it will grow. For example, you'd create a free trade zone for. You create a free trade zone somewhere in Lagos or somewhere in Abuja or somewhere in Kano for cars so that you can. If we had like a. a cars being built in nigeria you'd create a free trade zone so that they can go there carry their cars tax-free and sell their cars so that they would be able to gain more publicity it would be easier for people to reach them because it's in one place there is no like uh, a confusion as to where to find them the the car manufacturers have a tax-free zone they're not paying for rent or stuff like that you're helping to boost the growth of that sector in the same way that cattle rearing is indeed a sector it is a sector that provides meat which provides sustenance for a lot of nigerians so i i don't think we're being as accommodating as nigerians as we need to be and we continue to see things through these prisms of tribalism that uh they don't help us they don't help us at all so Speaking of profiling in Nigeria, um, I think it's also a problem that exists in l- the law enforcement of regular people, especially youths. I think that, um, like I said, youths in Nigeria get very hard. We're coming into a system that has, that is dilapidated, that from the onset, you're already discouraged. Like, schooling in Nigeria is tough. You come out of school, you go to NYSC, and yeah, it's like, tough you're sleeping in uncomfortable places sure you have the human connections which last a lifetime but you're sleeping in uncomfortable places you're serving across the nation your country is at war in different parts and then um, after you come out of that you can't find a job and then when you find a job and you're doing well for yourself you still have to deal with people in society who want to test you who feel like you don't deserve what you have because like you're young and you don't know what you're doing and like it's really hard so going back to and i don't say this to complain like nigerian youth, we keep it moving like the nigerian music industry is estimated to make like a 50 50 billion dollar revenue and that's all youth that's all people under 30 because when people started doing it in like 2010 Or even earlier than that people used to look at it like it's crazy and people still look at it like it's crazy like so we'll just keep building like nigerian youths cannot give up we have we have no choice we have no choice but to try and work hard and uh try and find a loophole to make this country work not for them but for us and the generations to come so going back to profiling, profiling and law enforcement is a serious problem we're facing in Nigeria, particularly targeting young men and women. Um, starting with the women, there is an a worrying trend of profiling single women and women that are not married. For some reason, if you're not married and you go to certain places, you can be arrested for being a prostitute. Now, last I checked, this is in fucking Saudi Arabia or fucking what yemen where you can't go out as a woman if you don't have your husband or some male figure accompanying you N- nigerian society is not I, I i feel like nigerian society can be hypocritical because we kind of thrive on this image of communal policing, but a lot of times we just, they look our front, they mind our business. Like you see things happening around you and you're just silent about it. Like, why would she go and carry herself to that kind of place? Or why would she dress in this way? No, no, like we we judge covers, We judge by covers so much in Nigeria. There's little emphasis on the content and creed of a person's character in terms of how you approach them. There's too much emphasis on physical appearances. And this is coming from a country that is supposedly highly spiritual. If you, tr- if you transcend within the spiritual realm, you know that all these things are material. They matter little. So what whether, and that goes both ways. I see people complain that when people do things flagrant physically, it's like some kind of like a, a bad thing. If it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if I dress up or I dress down because at the end of the day, these are just objects that make me feel good at the particular time you understand so like um profiling women um going into bars where they're single women and then arresting them on claims of prostitution and then uh, raping women to for bail is completely unacceptable so uh this harkens back to the the movement um what's it called again Abuja walk on uh, it's not Abuja walk on Abuja uh the Abuja walk against oh it's so long. That's the problem with all these long names, man. You can't always remember all of these things. But if I remember the name of the movement, I'll shout it out. (laughs) But like we we really need to do something about profiling and the general mindset of people's appearances time has moved. We're no longer in the 80s and even in the 80s, a lot of these people that come out to berate younger people had Afros. Nigeria was a liberal society. So, I don't understand, like... I don't understand. In terms of young men, just profiling people because of like, them having long hair or them having dreads, looking for tattoos. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand it from the cultism aspect that, uh... I understand it from the some aspect that there are a lot of cultists, and this is how police identify cultists. But even at that, there is a manner in which you discharge, like a you discharge your duties, especially in profiling. That you profile me, you think I am a suspect. You should at least give me the benefit of the doubt. You, as an officer of the law, understand understand the premise of innocent until proving guilty for me i've had rough experiences with police where outside of our own office i was essentially like almost strip search and like they had already violated me they had already put their hands in my pockets like looking for whatever like where's my tattoos and it's like bro chill I've also had like experiences where you just converse with police officers and it's calm. But I think with SARS and all these anti-cultism, they've hardened police officers. So there needs to be more training done. There needs to be more sensitization, like sensitization in the sense that it should be public. There need to be jingles about your rights as a citizen. If you are being questioned by the police officers on the radio, And on television i think that will go a long way in embedding into the psyche um of nigerians in general about profiling i think that's something we can we can do there so um yeah in one interesting i don't know if i'll start this as a new segment maybe humanity stories and entrepreneurial stories that i see that i kind of um respect um there was an individual interviewed on a morning show of Ari, called Ariwa of Ariwa 24. That's like a Hausa channel. I think they're based in Kano. So they were interviewing a guy that does recycling in Kano. They call it Jari Bola. So I want to find the guy's name. I can't find the guy's name. Why can you never find people's names when you actually want a name? Nigerian content creators need to do a lot more in, in being clear about people, the way they present content. I can't find this guy's name. I think I'll tweet the guy's name. A hey, plug. At the ITK show. Oh, I found his name, Abdullahi Mohammed. So he has this uh, recycling mini plant in Kano and basically taking um dirt or rubber. I think his plant focuses on rubber, jaribola. They call recycling jaribola in Hausa. So there you've learned something from this show at the very least. So on in his plant, you know, they kind of gather rubber he demonstrated with his machine how they, you you know, sort it and then put it into the machine and how it makes the finished rubber which can then be resold. Um, I think that that is a very cool machine. I think that it presents a lot of um, opportunities in terms of uh, recycling and just unemployment in general, because, like even Abdullah Mohammed was mentioning in his interview, there are a lot of kids that go into Bola or go into these landfills and just are looking for whatever copper, um, different materials, rubber. So, maybe a way to get the kids out of it is to actually develop small factories like this, which could. Uh, help process a lot of these raw materials and it could help with cutting down waste it could help our climate it could help unemployment it could help in manufacturing there's so much it can help in and it seems like Nigeria enjoys a very good relationship at the moment with China and because of their trade war with America they would definitely be looking to open up more um, I think that things like this, ideas like this, small, medium-scale ideas like this need to be picked up and facilitated by the government because they will help great, they will help our economy greatly and our overall society. Um, I was very happy to see that, actually. That's why I even thought deemed it necessary to to post it. I think I'll try and clip the interview and post it on twitter so plug again follow the itk show on twitter at the itk show um reminded that we're on all platforms audio mac apple podcast soundcloud stitcher still trying to work on a format for youtube so that i can also have clips up on youtube but um yeah on that note um I think I'm just going to close with uh being the change that you wish to see. Nigeria is hard, Nigeria is tough. Um there's so many things that exist in our society that make you feel like it's set up for you to fail. But I am a firm believer in um I am a firm believer in in us chasing a collective destiny and i i and i'm still inspired by people i see in my generation so to everybody that's feeling like you know it's almost pointless just hanging there we're going to eventually have come together and develop a sustainable plan for this country but yeah itk show that's it for this episode hope you guys have a blessed week and i'll see you um next time Bye.